Welcome to the Purposeful Fitness with Coach Ola, where I dive in deeper into holistic health and fitness topics that will help you stay inspired, motivated, and dedicated to living a purposeful fit life while pursuing for the Akhirah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to the seventh episode with Coach Ola. Today's episode is How is our relationship with Allah and Quran? One, because we have Ramadan coming so soon since we are in the Islamic month, Jumada al Akhir. And two, we are in February, the month of Valentine. And I want to focus on our relationships from a holistic perspective and as a Muslim, spirituality is important and our faith in Allah and our relationship with Him is also important. Today's guest is someone special, Dr. Yemna Buriana. She is originally from Algeria and after completing her PhD in quantum physics in England, she lived in Turkey for more than a decade before moving to the United States. By then, her interest had shifted from the world of physics to the vast and much more illuminating inner world of the self and Islamic spirituality. This interest led her to pursue an intensive training in the Islamic sciences under various renowned Muslim scholars. She did doctoral work in Arabic and Islamic studies at Indiana University and is fluent in Arabic, French, English, and Turkish. Dr. Buriana has published extensively in several of those languages on Islam, especially on Quranic studies, Islamic theology, and the Islamic philosophy of science. She taught Arabic and Islamic studies in different universities in the United States, her last university position being an associate professor of Islamic studies at Carthage College, before she dedicated herself to full-time nonprofit work. She offers extensive spiritual counseling and coaching, workshops, classes, and retreats. She is currently the director of a nonprofit Quranic spirituality organization called Receiving Noor. Today's episode, we talked about on importance of being aware, heedlessness, meditation, breath work, and much more. Today's episode is super related and interconnected with third episode, my interview with Imam Wissam Sharif. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend that you go back to it as well. Before we get started on my interview with Dr. Buriana, I will have the 99 names recited with Imam Wissam Sharif from episode number three, and we'll get started. So, are you guys ready? Let's get this started. Bismillah. Go ahead and set the mood, though, for any of you on a headphone. might want to turn me down just a click or two to see if this is a little bit more palatable. And if it is quiet, then you can bring me back up. Uh, for everyone else, if you're going to use this as a meditative tool, I am absolutely honored to be your guide in this session. Uh, please go ahead and set yourself a circle and ambiance. Uh, draw that circle of light and allow that light to emanate from within you. Uh, let the light come from within and we'll read the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For those of you who may not connect with, you know, a certain God or religion, uh, just give yourself the opportunity. Our uh, tradition, culture has given us this gift and there's nothing that should stop you from being able to access this. So go ahead and give yourself a posture of dignity. That means you're sitting on the crust of your hips. Six inches beneath your belly button has been... 
magically floated to the top and you feel that posture, that nice, beautiful curve in your spine. Drop the chin, roll the shoulders over the body and go ahead and allow yourself to hear, absorb the sound. عالم الغيب والشهادة هو الرحمن الرحيم The source of mercy, the source of compassion in the universe. Get to know him better. الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر الخالق البارئ المصور الغفار القهار الوهاب الرزاق الفتاح يا فتاح العليم القابض الباسط الخافض الرافع المعز المذل السميع البصير الحكم العدل اللطيف اللطيف الخبير الحليم العظيم الغفور الشكور العلي الكبير الحفيظ المقيت الحسيب الجليل الكريم الرقيب المجيب الواسع الحكيم الودود From the source of love in the universe to you from the one who loves through acts of service الودود اللهم إني أسألك حبك If you've ever yearned for someone some love Know that a universal love from the source of love is being directed at you. O source, we request your love. Al-Majid, Al-Ba'is, Al-Shaheed, Al-Haq, Al-Wakil, Al-Qawiy, Al-Mateen, Al-Wali, Al-Hamid, Alhamdulillah, Al-Muhsi, Al-Mubdi, Al-Mu'id, Al-Muhyi, Al-Mumid. الحي القيوم الواجد الماجد الواحد الأحد الصمد الله الصمد الله الصمد الله الصمد القادر المقتدر المقدم المؤخر الأول الآخر الظاهر الباطن الوالي المتعالي البر التواب For everything you've done, everything you hold against yourself, seek forgiveness through the door of forgiveness, through the most forgiving. Ya tawab, astaghfirullah. It's five syllables. Astaghfirullah. 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 Astaghfirullah, 
أستغفر الله يا تواب التواب المنتقم العفو الرؤوف مالك الملك ذو الجلال والإكرام المقسط الجامع الغني المغني المانع الضار النافع النور الهادي البديع الباقي الوارث الرشيد الصبور ربنا أفرغ علينا صبرا Let's land this ship back down. Bring yourself back to your breath. Bring yourself away from difficult thoughts. Bring yourself into a state not of patience, but of timelessness. You are no longer not worried. There just aren't worries. You no longer have to deal with anxiety. There just isn't anything that makes you anxious. And anytime you need to return to this pod, just dial yourself back into where you need. Rabbana afrig alayna sabara wa tawaffana muslimin. Allahumma zayyinna bi zinatil iman wa ja'alna hudatan muhtadin. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-huda wa tuqa wa al-afafa wa al-ghina. May your life vibrate in opulence, luxury and companionship akin to that of those who you will live next to in paradise. Assalamu alaikum sister Yumna, how are you today? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah ta'ala. Hola. Alhamdulillah, I'm, I'm well. Alhamdulillah, so happy to have you on today. Thank so would you, you're welcome, would you please tell us about yourself and what you currently do? What I currently do. I am the director of a nonprofit. It's called Receiving Noor. And we have a website. It's called receivingnoor.org. And this nonprofit, I started it a few years ago with some friends. And our first goal was to revive our connection with the Quran so that it becomes a relevant and essential part of our daily life. And I like to think of it as it becomes our map on how to live our life, inshallah. Inshallah. And together with this, it's also our goal to spread ilm and iman wal ihsan. So to live with iman, with belief, and ihsan, inshallah, with consciousness of that belief. So that faith, iman, is not merely of the imitative or blind acceptance, but an intentional choice that we make based on knowledge and observation, like not only following blindly. So we teach how to make the shahada knowingly and purposely so that our hearts are satisfied. And in order to do this, we focus on learning how to read the sign, like in Iqra, Bismi Rabbik, the signs, the ayat in the creation with the guidance of the Quran, of course, so that we come to know God who he is, and what our relationship with him is. And as a result of all this, our hope is to build an intentional community of conscious believers, people who live with this awareness of who they are and what their purpose in life is, inshallah. I love that. And I love the nur, the nur into it. And uh, exactly what you said when you were saying intentional life, I was thinking of 
my podcast name purposeful fitness same you know to to have a purposeful life as well so i love that well probably that's why i left with us on the <laughs> on the <Yeah>. show now <laughs> alhamdulillah because i was actually trying to find someone who has more knowledge about this topic because i really didn't want myself to talk about it and alhamdulillah i was able to to connect with you and as you say the quran is the nur for me my journey with the quran i'm from syria so in damascus i was uh-huh. as a young age i was put into like chronics you know to memorize to study Mm-hmm. to recite but then when i came to america in early college the former msa president he gave the the huge the, the, a huge copy of the quran translated translated so it's in arabic and english but it has like in-depth mm-hmm. translation and for me and i was told before that when we approach the quran we should approach it with intentions to learn and not like you know oh it was just a book but mm-hmm. to actually open it and, and because it does matter how you approach it and the way you approach it will play a huge role in your life and yes it did change my life forever yeah, um, I, I <laughs> special bond with syria and the people of syria that's where my children actually learned to recite the quran with uh, with tajweed we spent a few summers in damascus <laughs> oh, subhanallah yeah yeah so they went to the local quran schools there uh, and they still also have this special bond with Syria because of that. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> so, so I wanted to ask you, would you please share with us how our relationship with Allah Subhanahu is important and how should we work on it? Inshallah. Wow, mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me start with this, how our relationship with Allah is important. It's, I'm asked this question a lot, but actually the answer is in knowing who Allah is and primarily in knowing him as our Rabb, which is only possible to the extent that we get in touch with who we are ourselves, because that's what's available to us, right? Yes. So that's where we start. So let's start from there. Let's look at ourselves. We're living beings. But for instance, I'm, I'm picking one point about ourselves, life. Is life under our control? No. Obviously, we can lose it anytime. I can stop breathing anytime. I could even stop seeing or seeing anytime. And there is nothing in me that can stop me or stop that from happening. I, I have no control over that. So if, if I'm breathing right now, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's a miracle of, of rahmah, of mercy. So let's t- reflect a little more. In order to remain alive, obviously, we need... Well, we need water, we need food, but there is something that we usually or often we overcome, which is we need to breathe. We need air and we need to breathe. And yet we have a very limited control on our breath. We can control how we breathe, but not that we breathe or not breathe. If we stop breathing, then that's it. In a few minutes, it's the end. So we constantly breathe. We constantly need to breathe without even thinking. We do it without even thinking. Actually, we are made to breathe. It's like I found myself breathing. It is breathing. And the same goes on for seeing, for smelling, for digesting and other activities. So like, how do we talk? We intend to talk and it talks, subhanAllah. How do I talk? How am I talking now, right now? How do thoughts, convert into sounds 
And then those sounds reach your ears, Ola, and then your brain, and, and then you make sense of them, and lo and behold, you understand something, and we connect. Subhanallah. Tabarakallah Hassan al-Khaliqeen. Right? Blessed be God, the best of creators. So who, the question is, who is sustaining our life with breathing, with air to breathe? Who is sustaining us in life with water, with food, with a digestive system that to process them that I'm not even aware of most of the time? I have to learn it at school. That, that sustainer, whoever is sustaining all that, that is our Rabb the sustainer, the provider, the giver of life. So when we make tafakkur, when we reflect and meditate and contemplate this way on our own creation, for instance, then we realize that we are guests. We are the guests of a very merciful, a very generous host. That is our Rabb, Rabbul Alameen, the sustainer of all words. And we can only seek help from him. That's why we say in the Fatiha, We worship only you because we can seek help only from you. Nothing else is worth worshiping because they cannot help us. So this point is very important because it's going to unfold and uncover the importance of our relationship with God the importance of knowing who God is and the importance of worshiping God. Because whether we recognize and acknowledge it or not, the fact is that we all have only one true sustainer who sustains us in life and provides for us. And we here uh, does not refer only to humanity, but all beings, all things, all creation. And there is nothing else, no one else who could help us. This is very important. Nothing, no one can help us, but Rabbul Alameen, the sustainer, the Lord of all words, because everything else is being created and sustained like we are. They themselves need help, as we are repeatedly reminded in the Quran. They cannot help you or themselves because they cannot create anything since they are themselves being created. So practically, there is only one choice, which is to worship Rabbul Alameen, who has the power to be and it is, Kunfayakul. But in, this is, how do you say, <laughs> practically, but in fact, we have the choice to reflect this way and become aware of this reality and choose intentionally and purposely, or to remain unaware of it. Or we may be Muslims, we repeat all these things, but without really living them and experiencing them and confirming them and feeling them in our heart and being certain of their truthfulness and their, the reality, our reality. And that's why you wonder how come we can get stuck in, in things and put our hopes in them as though they were the source of our happiness and well-being. That's because of the delusion of ghafla. So ghafla is that heedlessness, that mindlessness that not being aware, that not living intentionally. And it's a lower state of consciousness. And in that state, we identify with, with the ego. And so we live from, from there, from the ego. And this causes a distortion of our perception of who we are and what our, our purpose in this world is, is and how we perceive things around us. We 
we see them as the source of something when they are actually gifts. And in that state of ghafla, we tend to worship false gods, or that we are told in the Quran, idols. So idols are not necessarily statues out there, but often it's going to be how we perceive things. And we can make them into idols, like mini gods, like mini sources of well-being or happiness or something that we need. And so, and we are not aware, but I mean, that's the whole thing. That's ghafla is about not being unaware, but that's no excuse because we're supposed to cultivate awareness as we're taught in the Quran. That's why ghafla is condemned in the Quran repeatedly. However, often people, I heard people tell me that cultivating awareness and spirituality is a luxury and they don't have time for it. Well, you know what? It's not a luxury, it's a necessity because no awareness means ghafla and that's not acceptable. In, we are told in the Quran and we can understand why because ghafla distorts reality. It is based on a delusion of being somehow independent of our Rabb because we are not aware of our dependence on him, so we don't relate to a Rabb. And in that state, we only turn to him in times of crisis, as if the rest of the time, we're, we're, <laughs> we're taking care of it ourselves. <laughs> Subhanallah, astaghfirullah. Yeah, so true. <laughs> like, how about here and now? Shouldn't we be grateful? Right. Every breath, for instance, right? In the Quran, it uh, reminds me of, we are told, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ And most of them do not believe in God, except that they are in a state of shirk, associating partners to him. Without realizing, there are other passages in the Quran where in Akhirah, people are told, you were mushrikin. They say, no, we were not mushrik, because they are not aware that they are committing shirk. We're also told in the Quran, first, subhanAllah, it's beautiful, because God always in the Quran, he is attracting our attention to the creation because that's how we get to know him, right? Yes. That's uh-huh. what we see, that's what we interact with. So he said, say, who provides you from the sky and the earth? Who controls hearing and sight? Who brings forth the living from the dead and the dead from the living? Who governs all that exists? They are sure to answer, it is God. Say then, Why won't you then become conscious of him? And then it says, I love this area. That is God, your true Rabb, your sustainer. Where, what is there then beyond this reality, beyond the truth, except dalal, except error and misguidance? How then can you turn away from this reality? But usually... We don't turn away knowingly. It's because of our ignorance that we turn away. And that's why learning to reflect under the guidance of the Quran to get to know who we are, who our Rabb is, is so important. And hopefully we can see now how our relationship with God is so important because he is our sustainer, our provider, and with him is the source of all what we need all what we long for in this world and in the next. In other words, we need him. Usually we think that we're making hasha, uh, like a favor to God by worshiping him. 
Not at all. That's a totally distorted understanding of the reality. We need him. He does not need us. Ya yuhannas, antum al-fuqara illallahu wallahu wal-ghaniyun hameed. O people, it is you who need God, whereas he, he is self-sufficient. He is the one to whom all praise is due, whether you give it to things themselves or to God. Things themselves are his creation, so I miss, I lose in that interaction, but the, the praising all goes back, returns back to him. And so the more we reflect on how we are being sustained right now, here and now, here and now is very important in all this, the more we will, inshallah, be able to confirm this reality and appreciate it. And the more we'll be able to, inshallah, perform the shahada as we are taught in the Quran. Inshallah, you brought so many amazing points and like you can't see me, but I'm smiling a lot. So I'm going to start. I typed up before I forget. So number one, you mentioned the bore which means in English reflect. And I love nature therapy. I love journal therapy. And that's these two are great ways for stress relief, stress management and relaxation. But they're also a great way to reflect. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I don't, I, I'm a person, for example, like I look at, you know, a lake or a, a body of water and then you see the reflection of trees. Just a little example. And I reflect on my own self, like, where I used to be, where I am now, and then the birds, you know, like they, they're flying, but then subhanAllah, just think about it, they're flying to collect food. And it's like this little beautiful animal that God created for us to reflect upon that how we need to be like the birds, wake up, get ourselves like the ants. Like there's so much reflection, I'm not gonna get into it, but that's number one. Two, the breathing that you mentioned, it, I was smiling a lot because this third episode with Imam Wissam, Sharif, he also talked about how breathing like is important we actually did a breathing technique activity mm -hmm. but it's also important for quran recitation because he also focuses on that aspect and then he also mentioned how subhanallah the prophet muhammad وسلم, he spent in about 10 years like meditation reflecting and breathing and you know we don't it's just like these little things and then the heedlessness the last point that i really love that you mentioned because like I said, I come from a Muslim family, but I wasn't practicing myself in high school due to whatever, like not having access to a prayer room, making up excuses, all that stuff. And then I come to college, I got an access to a prayer, I was reminded about it, and then I was awake from the heedlessness of, of oh, the life. And then, but the thing with heedlessness, like even if we are awake from it, we can go back, like it, we can get back into it. And then, you know, so just we because... We get back into it and also... Being aware has many, many uh, levels. There is more yes. and more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I wanted to point that okay. out. Like, Just because we are awake from it, it doesn't mean that we're prevented from going back to it. Like, It, it happens. Like, It's on and off. Yeah, and it's not the end also because yeah. the moment we think it's the end, it means, as you said, there is a relapse because it means I'm relying on myself. Uh -huh. and I, I disconnected from that connection to my rub being the receiver not the the source of anything i'm only the channel of the gifts of god yes yeah, subhanallah uh so how do you in your opinion how should we work on it so we don't really stay too much in the heedlessness stage in your opinion that's that's about the reflection okay uh, reflection is very important and uh, it is repeated a lot in the quran don't you use your reason? Don't you reflect? Don't you? Mm -hmm. And we know also in the hadith how tafakkur sa'atin khayru min 
ibadati sana and it doesn't mean that reflection of one hour is better than worship for a year but it means that the quality of the worship is going to be way more more valuable the worship will be more meaningful with the reflection because the, with the reflection we get to know uh, our rub and so the worship is going to have a meaning now instead of just repeating the actions so reflection is very important and of course reflection is about reading the signs reading iqra bismi rabbik to read in the name of god the signs out there we were talking about the birds and if, if you go back at the beginning of the birds it was an egg and then lo and behold this miracle something coming out that flies and that's a whole orchestra on its own and uh, goes around and sees and flies and and sings and subhanallah uh, so the bird becomes when we start reading in the name bismillah in the name of the our rab then we the, we can see how the bird is proclaiming the rububiyah of it of our maker he it's proclaiming his beautiful names it's proclaiming that whoever created it created the whole world wherever the birds reaches right subhanallah in many ways proclaiming his powers proclaiming his uh, beauty and many many other things so it's all about and this is the shahada because shahada needs mushahada mushahada is observing and shahada is testifying and we cannot testify without witnessing i love that yeah and this is what the quran we, we are taught all this in the quran whatever i shared up to now with you is all from my learning from the quran of course when you were talking about reflection and using our brain and mind i automatically remembered my second episode when i did mention that myself because it's subhanallah you know if you think about it you mentioned the brain and to me personally that reminds me on why we need to take care of our mental health because mental health if we're not mentally stable if we can't focus then spiritually spiritually we cannot be focused and obviously physically we cannot be focused but i just want to remind bring that connection that how mental health is needed for spiritual health and how spiritual health is needed for the mental health they're all very intricately interconnected yeah yes. and and usually we can't starts people say i can't control my emotions swings yeah but those emotions are there because of some underlying hidden belief and those beliefs are repeated statements they are thoughts that we repeat or we hang on to we believe in without even being aware of it and that's why being aware is so important because we become aware of those harmful beliefs that are usually false and we start questioning them and in the Quran we are taught how to question everything and so when we start questioning those beliefs suddenly we get to see that it was just something that i never questioned and i was taking for granted and it was like a virus in the program and distorting everything and when that disappears the emotion that was associated with it is resolved subhanallah that's why we need to do that inner inner work i mean we're told in the quran in allah la yughayyiru ma biqawmin hatta yughayyiru ma bi'anfusihim god does not change what is in people until they change that which is within themselves and so 
That's why I was saying it's necessary. It's not doing this kind of work and reflection and inner work and inner purification is necessary because that's the only path to get to get rid of the false beliefs and fill our hearts and minds with the true, with the reality, with the true beliefs, inshallah. And that has an effect on our emotions and our emotions have a direct effect on our uh, physical health as well. Exactly. And subhanAllah, you know, I just want to bring this back so that I can also be reminded how sometimes shaitan tries to play in our emotions as well. So that's his goal to push us away from Allah. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be like also aware how that could play in our mind. And that's his job to keep pushing us away. Mm-hmm. Actually, what you said to be aware, the moment we are aware, it's yeah. like when you put a light on a dark corner, that's it. <laughs> in itself the darkness disappears it becomes like most of the work is already done then <laughs> and you know sometimes like recently this past week has been very interesting for me and i was crying so much and i was like subhanallah you know i remember i don't know if it's from the quran or hadith but how all subhanta is in control of our emo well like he brings happiness and he brings sadness like you know it's all in his hand too you can correct me i could be wrong but yeah it's from the quran it's ibrahim alayhi salam sayyidina ibrahim alayhi salam who says how god feeds me and this and yeah yeah so i just like remember that part and like you know happy like it's all been controlled and then well, I, I want to ask you, if, if I can, the third question is that how can our relationship with the Quran, it's a good segue, mm-hmm. help us improve our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and especially Ramadan is coming up. That's a good reminder. So how can the Quran help us with our relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Uh, with Allah. Yeah, very profound question. Yeah. And, and, and Ramadan, by the way, is the month of the Quran, right? It's not the month of... Primarily, although we fast, but because of the fasting, we are prepared to receive the message of the Qur'an. So first, let's be clear that without the guidance of the Qur'an, we cannot know who God is. We can look at the world, which is his creation, and we can conclude we have been created with the ability to be able to conclude that there must be something. There must be a creator but we can't figure out who he is. This is very important because lots of people stop there. They think, I'm not denying the creator. I know that there must be a creator. Okay, that's very good. That's the first step, but we need to carry on. That's not enough. Who is this creator matters a lot, but we can't figure it out on our own. And and that's why we need God himself to describe himself to us and reveal himself to us we cannot even know our the our the true nature the true purpose of beings and of ourselves without the guidance of the quran and that is why when we realize this when we realize that we can't know we don't know then we feel the need for for the quran you feel the need for guidance like ibrahim and that's when the Qur'an becomes meaningful and we, we approach it with this attitude of we are ready to listen because we have questions that are unanswered. But when we are unaware, when we are in ghafla, we think that I know there is a creator and I think it's, that's it. I figured it all out and I'm not open to 
receiving any guidance. Even if I know the Quran by heart, it doesn't enter the heart because I don't, I'm not feeling the need for it. So feeling the need is very important. And then we will realize that it is, that's why God is speaking to us in the Quran and he's guiding us back to him. And one important thing that we are taught in the Quran among many is the Shahada. It's important because it's the beginning. It, it constitutes like the basis of everything else. So, and then it teaches us how to perform the Shahada. And I'm choosing this word on purpose because the Shahada is not merely words that we repeat. I mean, the words are there, we repeat them, it's very, it's important, but they are important because they are supposed to express a reality that we witness and that we we can testify to his truth, and that's why we say it. Imagine I say, there is no la ilaha illallah, there is no deity, nothing worth worshipping except God. Would this be, would this statement be a shahada if I don't really mean it? No. Or, no. Would it be really a shahada if I have no evidence for his truth? I'm not denying it, but I don't know exactly what it means. I have no, no evidence for it. So the term shahada, as I had said before, it is related to the term mushahada, which means observation. And how can we testify to something without observing it first, without witnessing it first? And this is what we are taught in the Quran, the witnessing, the observing. We taught how everything in the creation is an ayah. Not only, I know it's an ayah, the Quran said it's an ayah. No, no, how is it an ayah? I have to confirm that is an ayah. It has to be part of how I experience life. It becomes my perception of things. It's not only an information. It is the reality. So an, an ayah means it's a sign, a sign bearing messages from the unseen. And we are told that everything, all beings, all things, all events. So for instance, if we go back to the breathing, our breathing is an ayah. And how is it an ayah? Because it indicates that whoever sustains us in life through this breathing is the creator of our body, is the creator of our lungs, he's the creator of air, he's the creator of everything related to air, and he's the creator of the whole universe because there would be no air without the whole universe. There would be no human body without the human without the whole universe, because everything is so interconnected. And so we deduce that the creator of one thing must be the creator of the whole world, the whole universe. So this is how our breathing functions as an ayah. It is created as an ayah, a sign proclaiming that our creator, the creator of the breathing, he is the creator of all things. He's the giver of life. He is the rub, the sustainer, the razak, the nourisher. And we can carry on with the beautiful names of God. So the act of breathing in interconnection with the rest of the creation, they glorify God. They proclaim his most beautiful names. They reflect his, his face. And so breathing with this consciousness, with this ihsan, is itself worship, it is ibadah, and it increases our knowledge of God. There is even an ayah in the Quran which says, those who 
if the ayat of God and the ayat of God are the ayat in the Quran and the ayat in the creation do not increase your iman, then you are not truly believers in God. So this breathing with this consciousness, with this ihsan, consciousness here, the opposite of ghafla is ihsan, the consciousness of iman, this breathing itself becomes worship and it increases our knowledge of God, our, it increases our iman, our faith and belief in God. And as a consequence, we're filled with the love of God, the love for our Rabb here and now, and we feel so grateful to him. So this consciousness, this ihsan, also transforms how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the world. We feel connected to everyone else in the beginning, to everyone that breathes, maybe first in the beginning, first stage, is we feel connected to all human beings, and then to everything that breathes, all living beings, and then plants also breathe, and then to everything else. And we pray for everyone and bless everyone because they are all khalqullah, they are all his creatures, they are all, we're like all siblings, we're all one family depending on one single rub. And we start seeing the face of God, wajhullah, in everything, as we're told in the Quran, Wherever you turn, there is the face of God. And that face of God is that face of things that looks to God, that looks to his most beautiful names, that Asma al-Husna, that face of things that testifies to Akhirah here and now. And when I say Akhirah here and now, <laughs> I need to point to something that I find very important. I want to add something, which is often when we live in Ghafla, we assume that we know God, as I yes. imagine. Yes. Actually, actually we, we know him as a creator. We don't know him as he describes himself to us. When in reality, we're not denying his existence. And it's okay as a starting point, but if we get stuck there forever, then there is a problem. And in that state of mind, in that state of ghafla, we don't feel the need for the guidance of the Qur'an except for limited purposes. And so religion becomes more like a dogma and it feels like we have to worship God, we have to pray. It's like we're doing a favor to someone or we're sacrificing, uh, we're making it, it becomes, it's not effortless. It doesn't come from the heart, it comes from the mind. I have, it needs lots of willpower. And because the heart is not involved, there is no, and there is no pleasure. And it's more like we'd better do it because there are consequences, uh, because of various reasons, either um, or social reasons. And the social reasons are disappearing now more and more, either because we live in a different society like we do here right now, or even in Muslim societies, people live now in big cities, so they don't know each other, so there is less pressure. So you can see, subhanAllah, that belief and worship have to come from inside out, otherwise it's not easy to sustain. And in this perception, in the perception of ghafla, in that disconnection with our Rabb, it seems like we are, we were created at birth, and now, somehow, we don't think about it, 
we are independent. We we live in our life. It feels like it's my life. I take care of it. I plan it. I decide what my purpose is. So there is a division between my life and worship. And when you ask me, how about akhirah? So you can see if it's my life and I decide about it and I know what to do in the future. I don't feel the need to consult the Quran. I don't feel the need for guidance. It seems like I know what I have to do. And where does Akhira, where is Akhira in all this? In the Quran, we're supposed to have yaqeen, right? Certainty in Akhira. وَهُمْ بِالْآخِرَةِ هُمْ يُقِنُونَ Subhanallah. I love everything you just say that. And I'll wait for you and I will say something about Akhira too. <laughs> so, like, surely when the yaqeen in Akhira can't be after we die, right? Because then it would be too late. Exactly. We need to believe in Akhirah right here and now. And that belief will, inshallah, bi'ithnillah, transform how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive life, how we live our life, how we interact with others. But in Ghafla, it seems like I was born, now I'm living, and one day in the far future, I will die. But is this the reality? So I just want to say something about this a lot uh so yeah. first of all my business name my brand's name is be fit for akhira <laughs> yeah and so i just i'm not sure if everyone has had a chance to listen to my second episode and i would love people to hear my thoughts about it because i have had this initiative started about five years ago and it's been a long journey for me especially from the muslims like telling me go change your name for example or that like if i have a music in my uh, my workout videos or whatever like this is haram and this is that and you know i've had like someone tell me for example like you know just point little things and find excuses of what i'm doing is wrong Mm-hmm. And it hurts and it's and it's not easy. And then I was told there's no connection between like being healthy and yeah, there's akhirah and yeah, yeah, and, and all that. But it's like, no. And I talked about also with Imam Wissam that we live in a society where we have the YOLO concept going on. Like you live once, but it's like, no, you live twice. And that's why I... I want to keep reminding ourselves like there's so many connections like from the physical point, mental point, spiritual point, every single point in life. There's always that connection back to it. And as soon as we make that faith in the afterlife, like as strong as possible, like we're not perfect. All of us have struggles and stuff. But like that with the faith in Allah, both of them, like they need to be strong. Like if if one is missing, it's just going to be really hard to continue. And and that's where the heedlessness will come back to us over and over. That's mm-hmm. just my opinions about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I uh, won't get into the halal haram because usually it's uh, misunderstood. Exactly. Uh, well, it is reduced. I mean, it is reduced to something one dimensional uh, when actually it's multi-dimensional because... It is related to uh, Iman and Ihsan. And Ihsan is making everything beautiful. With mm-hmm. that consciousness, everything becomes beautiful. Otherwise, it becomes like dry and it loses its meaning. It's like a, a body without soul. The soul is that Iman that is going to give meaning to everything. But when there is no disconnection, not only... Anyways, let's not get into that. <laughs> it's a big topic, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying that it's, it's it really hurts. Like in our ummah, when we people and one of my teachers, you know, she said that especially like in, as you know, it's in every community, but as an Arab, like we have it a lot. Like oh, like they say haram so easily, but it's like we don't have the right to say what's exactly haram, what's halal, and, and I'm not gonna get into it anymore. 
<laughs> something more important that you mentioned. It says like, how is the the health and the body related to faith or to akhirah? Excuse me, the health is a blessing from God. The body is a is an amen. I trust from God. It's yeah. A, so, but you can see the disconnect is it's a huge disconnect there. Because how do we know God in the first place? Through what we are given here. And so when we know God truly, we can only know him through what he gives us. So we can't go back and, and ask, how is this related? Or deny the, the, the connection. Because it is through that connection that we got to know him. So, Allah. Thank you. So then, Akhira, yeah. I was saying like, is it true? Is, it, is, the, is the reality that I was born, I'm living, and one day I'll die? Think about it. But like, where is last year? Where is last month? Where is yesterday? Where is this morning? They're all gone. We were one day babies, then toddlers, then children. Now we're adults. Where are those versions of us? They're already gone. So yes, one day we leave this world for good, and that's the big death. But the journey has already the journey of death has already started. We're already in a state of returning. When we say Inna Lillahi wa Inna Ilayhi Rajiun, certainly we belong to God, and certainly to Him we are returning. We are in a state of returning. Rajiun, not Sanarjiun. Uh, Rajiun is Mifail. We are returners. We are in the state of returning to God. We are constantly returning. And when we acknowledge that, when we are aware of that, we will realize that we are also constantly being sustained in life. Something is going, something is being given. That's why to understand and appreciate the ayat, everything is an ayah, we have to make peace with the transience of life. That's repeated in the Quran a lot. If because in ghafla, we tend to forget about the transience of life and Death is only one one minute. That minute when I die, it will be only that moment. Everything else is already gone before. So our life is transient. It is passing. And as such, it mirrors the eternal giver of life. So the, the passing itself is area to akhira. And death is not far from us. And so there's no need to delude ourselves that, oh, death is far. That day... The day we leave this world, we don't know where it is. It could be tonight, tomorrow, 10 years. I don't know. But death is always with me. It's always with us. We can witness samples of it right now within us and in the world around us, like in the seasons. So when we live with this awareness of death and life together, one into the other, our attachment to things around us, to the world, our love for things, for the world, will shift from the things to the sustainer, to our rub of the world, to the sustainer of the world. We will still love things, we will still love them, but in his name, as his gift, as his blessings. So actually, we, when we live with this consciousness, we realize how everyone, how everything is so valuable, so much more valuable than when we are not aware. When we are not aware of our connection with our rock, when we live in ghafla, we get stuck in things themselves, we are attached to them, we love them for themselves, but they are not as valuable as when we live with ihsan, because 
we don't see how sacred they are, how sacred their functions are. And that sacredness is lost, they become like idols. So you can see how, because people are sometimes uh, scared. They say, oh, if I love God, how about things around me? How about my family? No, you will love them more because they remind you of God. The question comes from a disconnect from our Rabb, from taking the, our Rabb for granted, from not knowing him through his creation. How do I know he's compassionate? You look at mothers, you look at your friends through their love and their friendship. I understand that whoever gave me this, this family, these friends, is the source of all compassion and love. I love everything you said, and that actually is a great segue, and I know you already talked about it, but ult- ultimately, how can all of this help us in all of our ears in, in our life, such as our relationship with the body, with the mind, with the soul, families, communities, oh, and... Oh <laughs> no, no, I know we already talked about it, but I want to see if you have anything to add on to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's beautiful. Your questions, mashallah, are very, uh, Thank you. very meaningful, alhamdulillah. So let, let me start with a specific example so it becomes more palpable, inshallah, to clarify what's going on when we live from the heart and the soul in connection with our Rabb. Uh, with Ihsan, instead of living from the ego, living in the darkness of Ghafla. There are two, two ways of being. Well, in each way, there are many degrees, but I'm just making it two for clarification and simplification purposes. So, for instance, let's think of the tongue. Subhanallah, it can distinguish myriads, myriads, many, many, many tastes. And then, there are out there, there are countless of food and they all taste and smell differently. They even look differently, subhanAllah. And now, if it were only for the sake of the physical body, would we need all these varieties? I don't think so. Why? Because when we were babies and the body needs food nourishment the most because it's growing the fastest, there is basically only one food, milk, and it's wholesome it has all the nourishment, and that's it. So it means, theoretically, we could have had only one food, and that's it. But subhanAllah, as we grow, and our capacity to reflect grows, the number of food increases, the number of food we can eat increases, and we are equipped with this tongue that recognizes all those different tastes, and we are emotionally connected with them, we like some, we dislike others, we take pleasure in some taste, even the memories of the taste will give us uh, pleasure or sadness. Or And though all this, it cannot be merely for the sake of fulfilling some physical needs for the body. Something else is going on here. So what's going on here? If we live from the ego, if we live in, the, in Rafla, then we remain stuck in the food itself. It feels as though the food itself is the source of the nourishment. It seems, it feels like it is the source of the pleasure we derive from it. So we become attached to it. We love it. And we may say Bismillah at the beginning, Alhamdulillah at the end, but we can't relate to God except through claims that we, imitative claims, let's say. We, we say, Allah gave me this, but my heart, that claim doesn't come from my heart. What comes from my heart? is the love of the food itself. 
for the sake of the example, we started with something simple like food. We love the food itself and for itself. And we can apply this for everything. Everything else in our life can be like food. Friendship is food for other. We have a need for it. So we have needs, all kinds of needs. And whatever fulfills a need is something like food. Now you can see how it's not easy to share with others. It feels like a sacrifice if we, if we do. And add to it that when we give, if we give, let's say if we give food, then it feels like the food on, on my table is going to end. It's going to finish. Because when we live from the ego, the ego comes from a place of scarcity because it is disconnected from the source of abundance. There's no baraka. Uh, and so it feels like, oh, I will give a little bit, but I can't give too much because then how about me? I am not aware of the endless abundance, the endless givenness that I am being given. It feels like I am working, I worked hard for it, it's mine, and I will give you a little bit if I am kind to you. But if we live from the heart and the soul, if we live with Ihsan, if we live in connection with our Rabb, then food is an area. It's a sign, a sign that indicates the provider, the Razak, who feeds us with this delicious food. And the more I appreciate the food, the more I'm grateful to my Rabb, to my sustainer. And the more I get to testify, to make shahada, that he alone is the generous provider, that he is our merciful host. So food becomes a gift. It becomes a friend, a friend that tells us about our Rabb. And so we join in in glorifying God together with the food, together with everything else around us. And he tells us that since he is the provider, then we need to have no fear, no anxiety about the future. The future includes akhirah, it includes forever. And so this gives peace of, a peace of mind, the peace of heart, the heart is fulfilled, it is satisfied. The human heart can find peace and satisfaction and fulfillment only in remembering God. So this eating, can you see that this eating is not only nourishing the body, but it's also nourishing the heart and the soul. It is healing the heart and the soul. This eating is ibadah, it is worship. This eating brings us closer to our Rabb. This eating is performed, Bismillah al-Razak. It is not only words at the beginning, but it is our modality of living, of eating in the name of the Razak. And so we can apply this to other things, other food, to all kinds of things that we benefit from. And now you can imagine this believer, this muhsin, can he not share with others? He will happily and easily share with others because the muhsin is aware of the abundance of the source. He witnesses it right here and now. And so as he gives, it is more is given. It is an endless source. It's like every day. Yesterday is not here, but today I'm still here. Life is not from me, but life is always given again and again. There is no scarcity in this mode of being. 
there is no being stuck in the thing itself. Things become gifts, they are ayat, they are friends, they are given again and again whenever we need them. So knowing God and worshipping Him this way consciously transforms the quality of our life. It transforms the quality of our relationship with others. We become more conscious of our relationship with others. So this way, this genuine Iman, not imitative Iman, has direct effect on our thoughts, on our emotions, and therefore on our actions. And in turn, our thoughts, our emotions affect our health, including our physical health, like anger, fear, anxiety. All these things put lots of strain on the, on the body. But with this connection, conscious connection to our Rab, we get... We feel the connection with everything else. So we become, we're not alien, we're not alone in the world. And think of, since you are interested more in the new work with the body, think of the body. In, in this relationship, what is the body? <laughs> right? It is a faithful servant from God. It is put at our service. It's an amana, it's a trust. How would, how would we treat such a blessing with respect, with compassion, with love, with appreciation. And actually, the more grateful we are to our Rabb for his blessings, the more we appreciate his blessings, we, the more we treat them well. SubhanAllah. That's why it's important to keep two things in, all in together. And thank you so much for explaining to, to all of us because it's important, even like, you know, it's a struggle for me as well. As a human being, to keep to continue to work on like my relationship, for example, with my parents or even with my body and what have you. Mm-hmm. And so, last question is that how and where can someone stay in contact with you if we can? There are many ways. We are on uh, YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and we meet actually on a weekly basis to study the Quran together. Right now, we are studying Surah Al-Alaq. So we started with Iqra' Bismi Rabbik Alladhi Khalaq. You can, uh, if you go to our website, which is receiving Noor, Noor is N-U-R dot org, then you can subscribe to our weekly classes on the Quran for free and to our newsletter. So you get the instruction to connect with Zoom. There are on our website, there are articles as well. Uh, and also you can find on our YouTube channel, past conferences. We had started many years ago, well, four or five years ago, with crucial Quranic concepts. And then we started weekly Quranic classes. We have retreats. There are books also. One, we just started the books last year. So, and inshallah, my intention is to write more. One of them is Living with Genuine Tawheed. One of them is Discovering the Beautiful Names of God, which is learning how to see the Asma al-Husna, the beautiful names of God, how they are reflected in our daily life. So there are, that's pretty much in a person, it's usually in the retreats and workshops. And so next month I'm going to teach in Upper New York, for instance, other people ask me to come. So I do that as well, apart from the retreats, inshallah. So I'll have the website and my show notes. Is there an email that people can reach out to you for example or just through the website uh, it's receiving nor at gmail.com okay thank yeah. you and it won't reach me directly but it will reach people in our team inshallah 
And people in our team are all university professors and well-versed in, in the field, inshallah, they can help. And if there is something, they will get in touch with me as well, inshallah. Inshallah. Jazakallah khairan. Thank you so much. This was so beneficial. And no, may Allah bless you and your work and make it a channel for much good. Barakallah. Ameen. When you feel all alone in this world And there's nobody to count your tears Just remember no matter where you are Allah knows Allah knows When you're carrying a monster load And you wonder how far you can go With every step on that road that you take Allah knows No matter what inside or out There's one thing of which there's no doubt Allah knows Allah knows And whatever lies in the heavens and the heavens Every star in this whole universe Allah knows Allah knows When you find that special Someone Feel your whole life has barely begun You can walk on the moon Shout it to everyone Allah knows Allah knows When you gaze with love in your eyes Catch a glimpse of paradise And you see your child take the first breath of life Allah knows Allah knows. Allah knows.
grain of sand in every desert land He knows Every shade of palm Every closed hand He knows Every sparkling tear On every eyelash He knows Every thought I have And every word I share Thank you for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe today and leave a five-star review. You can also screenshot and share this episode with a family or a friend. Be strong, be fit, be fit for akhirah.